Welcome to a new episode of Books to Last. This episode, I'm joined by Annie from Annie's Book Nook as she discusses the five books she would take with her when cast away to a mystery remote location. The episode may contain spoilers, so please check the episode description for a list of books that we discuss. Enjoy! Hello and welcome to Books to Last, the podcast that challenges readers to pick the only five books they can take with them when cast away to a mystery remote location. As ever, I'm joined by a book-loving guest and this episode I'm joined by Annie. Welcome Annie, it's so great to have you on the podcast. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I am so excited to be here. (laughs) We're really excited to have you. I uh, was so pleased when we got to talking about you coming on the podcast um, and it was it, very, very exciting for me as well. So I'm, yeah, really looking forward to seeing your list and um, finding out what books you love to read. So for the benefit of any listeners who might not be familiar with you and what you do, um, why don't you introduce yourself and tell us a bit about you and books? Okay, so uh, I run a booktube channel called Annie's Book Nook. Um, I've been running it for about two years now, which is crazy. (laughs) Um, um, And I'm also a librarian, uh, so that's fun. I just started um, a librarian job, so books are a very big part of my life. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I read constantly, and I just love books, of course. (laughs) Of course. Yes. We love a book-related job on the podcast. We uh, we're getting more and more people who just have the, just the coolest sounding jobs, and a part of me always wondered why I never actually went into wanting to be a librarian because I've always loved to read since I was younger, and I went through some strange phases for what careers I wanted when I was a child. <laughs> um, but librarian never seemed to come up, and now I'm wondering why. I uh, I always tell I'm very frank with the people at my work that um, if I if I wasn't working for money, I would probably just go and work for a bookstore and that would keep me more than happy. <laughs> yeah, no, that's very fair. Yeah, yeah. Librarian, it's a lot of fun because like, obviously we work with books a lot, but you also, you get to help people and like, it's a very service oriented job. And yeah, it just basically melds together, like everything that I like to do. It's It's a ton of fun. Yeah, I can just imagine just always, I could never be grumpy or unhappy if I was surrounded by books, just (laughs) even just organizing them. I just, I would be in my element. It would just be so lovely. Maybe I should just go and volunteer and do do library work for free. (laughs) Yeah, that's fun. (laughs) Well, um, have you read anything good recently? Anything that's really stood out to you? So, um, I'm actually in the middle of a book right now. I'm listening to it on audio. Um, it's called All the Living and the Dead by Haley Campbell. And it's a nonfiction book. It's about kind of like people who work with and around death. So like embalmers, morticians, executioners, funeral directors, um, It's very, very interesting, um, especially because it's spooky season, you know, so. When I heard the title, I was like, this is 100% an October read. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So I I had to read it. Um, 
I'm, I'm a little bit more than halfway through right now, and it's so good. It's very, very interesting. That sounds really good. I I love a good nonfiction read. I think a lot of people have got sort of maybe bad... Like I feel like nonfiction gets a bad rap because I feel like I speak to two kinds of people and they they never seem to want to mesh their sort of nonfiction with their, their fiction reading. So I re- speak to a lot of people who only ever read like business and nonfiction books or people who only read fiction and they won't go near nonfiction. And I think it's, it's yeah, it's, it can be a shame because a good, a really well-written, crafted, in the same way a really good novel can be just so satisfying, a really good nonfiction book can also be so satisfying. And yeah, uh, it's just, it's really good when you've got something fascinating that does sound fascinating i like how they've come at it from all sort of different angles as well of people who yeah yeah it's really interesting it deals with like the history and everything you could possibly want to know about death which i know is like obviously an uncomfortable topic but it deals with it in a really like sensitive way Mm -hmm. um and like you said it's just a really well-written well-crafted book like it's nonfiction. But it keeps things really interesting. She she's very engaging as a writer, so definitely recommend. That sounds really interesting. Yeah, I think uh, I mean probably because it's so unknown is probably the reason why people are so uncomfortable with sort of the concept of death and that sort of thing. It's sort of, sort of something that people are taught to, I don't know, fear. It's like the last thing you don't want to don't want to think about it. But it's uh, well, yeah, <laughs> it's it's a natural part of life. It's it's. <laughs> <laughs> whenever anyone wants to be particularly cynical um they they always you know they always say the, the only sure thing in life is death it's yeah like, exactly <laughs> starting off with a happy note here <laughs> yeah well i mean it's definitely an interesting it to start off with i find it fascinating but hopefully it fascinating it hopefully we've not uh um brought the, uh, the listener down too much maybe on a slightly lighter note um as mentioned before our guest gets to pick the only five books that they get cast away with them to a mystery remote location. Um, it's not relegated to a desert island. We are a, well, I'm an anti-desert island person. I don't, <laughs> can't speak for all of the guests. There are some people who have liked desert island. Um, but yes, Annie, you get to pick where you get to be cast away to forever. Where would you like to be cast away to? Yes, I'm almost as excited about this question as I am about the books. I'm very excited. Um I would like to be cast away to either a remote village in Alaska or just somewhere cold, like in the Arctic, um, like Norway or Finland, somewhere nice and cold. I really like fall and winter, so I cannot be on a desert island, (laughs) Um, but somewhere where it's nice and cozy and I get to be in my little off the grid cabin and read all day that would be so nice (laughs) a remote village in alaska sounds lovely my um partner and i we always say that we want to go to alaska it's always like so near the high priority of like where we want to go to next but it never actually ends up happening and my nan uh, when I was very young, she went on a big trip to Alaska and Canada, and she, um, with all of her friends, like she, had, she has all oh, of these, cool. all of these female friends of like around about the same age, and they all just went together without like anyone else. Just, um, oh, that's when they, so fun! I know. I was just, it's just like goals, yeah. <laughs> um, but she, she went there, and um, she, it, she's been everywhere except for sort of like 
Maine, North America. So she's not been to like any of the other states apart from Alaska, but she's mm-hmm. traveled to most other places. And she still says that Alaska was by far her favorite of all the places she went to. She said it was amazing. Mm. So yeah. yeah, I've never even been there, but looks cool enough that I would be cast away there. So. It's like it's like with some books. It's just like there are some books that I look at them and I know I'm going to love them. I just need to find the time to read them. Alaska exactly. is one of those places. I know I'm going to love it there. I just need to find the time and the money to go. Yeah. That's <laughs> yeah. Well, it's a very refreshing sort of picture and I do believe it's going to be winter when this episode is published so it's probably going to be a quite a nice vibe for people to be um, thinking about. So what is the first book you'll be taking with you to Alaska? So when I first saw this question, the first book I I actually have it here to show you. Um, I love it when I people have, bring props. <laughs> yeah. Um, Ancillary Justice by Anne Leckie. Um, This is the first book in a trilogy. It is a sci-fi space opera. Um, It was released in 2013, which is when I first read it. And it really kind of jump-started my love of sci-fi, because that's a lot of what I read mainly. And this is still one of my favorite books of all time. I could reread it so many times and never get tired of it. And Lecky is just a master at world building. She has such unique ideas um, about language and sci-fi, which is also something I'm extremely interested in because I studied linguistics in university. Um, I, I just love everything about it. It sounds, I space opera is like an immediate buy-in for me. Someone says the phrase space opera and I'm just like, yeah, yeah. well, obviously I need to read that. <laughs> um, just sort of for a brief overview, what is it about? Just to get, I mean, if listeners were intrigued. Okay, yes, I didn't even say that. Um, it's okay. <laughs> That's what I'm here um, for. Yeah, so this is basically about um, an ancillary, which is an android that is part of a starship. So there was a starship called the Justice of Torin um, with an artificial intelligence linking thousands of soldiers of this big space evil empire together um, and they basically conquered the galaxy but one of these soldiers that was linked to the ship's artificial intelligence um, kind of broke away and they are named Breck uh, and they want to kind of take down this evil empire and she is one of the best characters ever she's so cool so just singularly focused, very, um, I guess, cold. <laughs> if you like um, that kind of female main character, you would mm-hmm. really like it. It's very exciting. Lots of politics as well, if you're into that. A book after my own heart. I love a bit of um, space intrigue as well to go with my space opera. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> I uh, I hadn't, I mean, just, okay, this may be a silly question. Ancillary, is that a phrase that uh, Anne Lucky sort of, is that is that a term that she's come up with herself? Or is that sort of a widely used term in sci-fi for, uh-huh. I suppose, the computer and spaceships? Because I would really love it if there was an actual name for that, because they're usually my favourite characters. Yeah, um, I she didn't make it up. I don't think it's like a widely used term. No. Um, but it's basically means I'm looking it up right now, actually. Um, it means like someone providing support 
to ah. something. So like the character of Brex provided support to the ship that she then escaped from. Um, yeah, it, it's very interesting. And yeah. that actually calls interesting things to mind because it deals a lot with hierarchy and like subordination as well within like an army, which is very interesting. So yeah, it kind of ties into that. Yeah, definitely. And I um, I always say it's, it's always so fascinating that sci-fi is able to sort of touch on because it's it's so out there. That's the kind of the point of sci-fi, and it's just I always just love how it's usually so much more political than like than than books that are about like contemporary, regular, everyday subjects. I, there's usually like so much more room for that. It's always just so interesting. I just love it. Yes, but just politics and space is just great. Okay, such a good okay, such a good start. Such a good start. I I'm gonna. Thank you. <laughs> I'm I'm genuinely gonna. I, I already know I'm gonna have trouble with this list. I I don't know why I started the podcast because it's not as if I'm struggling for stuff to read. Um, oh yeah, no, I get that. Yeah. <laughs> and I've just I just I just make it so much harder. Um, okay, so that's the first book. What is the second book you'll be taking with you? So the second book is kind of a departure. Um, it is actually a poetry book. Oh, it's um, so tiny. This, yeah, <laughs> tiny copy of it. Um, this is a book called um, The Sky, Wind, and Stars. Um, that is its English title. It's by a Korean poet named Yoon Donju. Um, and he wrote this in the 1940s. Um, and I actually wrote my thesis on this book. Um, so that's why it's very, very important to me. Um, and he wrote it originally in Korean, so that's why it's in Korean. <laughs> um, yeah, and I wrote my thesis on the translation of his poems because that was kind of my area of study. Um, and I studied both Korean and Japanese. Um, so I wrote my thesis on the Japanese translations specifically um, because the history behind this book of poems is that Korea, the whole Korean peninsula was occupied by Japan from 1910 to 1947 or 45. Um, so for a really long time, and it was a really terrible time in mm -hmm. Korean history. And he was kind of a resistance poet. So a lot of the poems that he wrote were very nationalist for Korean people. And he was actually imprisoned by Japanese by the Japanese government for his poems, for his resistance. Um, and it's, his poems are beautiful, but also like super moving because of the historical context. So yeah, very important yeah. book to me. <laughs> I can tell. And I just hearing you sort of explain the context a little bit, I can imagine that I suppose specifically the Japanese translations of the poems would add another sort of lens and tilt to the analysis so that's so uh, that's so fascinating really <laughs> I studied none of the subjects you just listed and it's just fascinating oh. <laughs> <laughs> I, I feel like I could honestly listen to you talk about just that one subject for just the rest of the podcast oh my gosh yes <laughs> but yes, <laughs> sounds so interesting and it's it's strange because um well not strange but um when I suppose anyone it's a very 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 and I'm I'm gonna betray sort of my you know poor English history um schooling um but whenever anyone mentions the 1940s as a period and when stuff is written there um 
Japanese occupation of Korea would not be the immediate historical event that would jump to mind and that's wrong but um it it, is really just yeah fascinating to know that such a consequential time in history has been encapsulated by i mean literature is is has always been sort of a method of sort of showing what's going on in Mm -hmm. um you know the rest of the world and stuff so that's really 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 interesting and that is, I mean, it's such a pretty little book, the edition that you just showed. It's so nice. Yeah. <laughs> um, but now it's just, oh, it's just, okay, right. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm really going to have this. <laughs> <Yay. laughs> you're, you're really going after all of my weaknesses when it comes. Good, good. <laughs> okay. Hey. What, what book are you going to insist that I um, read and purchase next? <laughs> Okay. Next, um, you may have already read and purchased this book. Um, it might be a little bit of a basic pick, but it is Pride and Prejudice by Jane Austen. We don't use the word basic, we use the word classic. It is a okay, classic yes. selection. A classic pick. Yes, exactly, exactly. Um, so this is, you know, it was really hard to pick because I love Jane Austen so much um, and I love all of her works. So it was really hard to pick, but this was my first one that I read from her, which is probably true of a lot of people. And it's just, it's timeless. It's a classic for a reason. It's just, you you got the romance, you got Darcy being his bad broody self. You have um, (laughs) Elizabeth being so cool and outspoken at a time when like women really did not do that. No. And beautiful (laughs) writing. It's just great. Awesome. <laughs> I actually started rereading this recently because just like slowly with my Kindle edition and making a lot of highlights that are not to do with um, analysing it for English literature because that was the first time I read it. It was in school for English. And as much as I enjoyed it, I um, and I, I missed a lot because I was studying it. So I was, you know, looking through a very sort of narrow scope. But also... And I actually talked about this on another episode of the podcast that I recorded recently. I also um, feel like it's the kind of book that you take very different things from it when you read it at different Mm. times um, and on rereads. Because the thing that's standing out to me at the moment, because I remember what stood out to me when I read it back then was very much sort of Elizabeth herself as a character and how sort of subversive she was. I remember finding that really just fascinating Mm -hmm. um and how she sort of poked fun at people without them knowing but what's really got me this time is um I mean I got married a few years ago and um started a family recently and the um depictions of different marriages and their dynamics between married couples that were um established and existing before the book started um have been really just it's been so much like Mr. Bennett is just he's so much funnier when you (laughs) when you read him as an adult because you can't you cannot appreciate how brilliant he is when you're a teenager yeah he's so funny I yeah I feel like this book every time you reread it you like discover something new like you said like there's this infinite possibilities with rereading it um and of course, this podcast isn't about movies, but if I could pick one movie, I would pick the 2005 Pride and Prejudice movie because I could rewatch that every day and never get tired of it. And it's the same with a book. 
you're going to hate me, but I still haven't read it and I'd re- watched it. And um, my friend Ruby, who was the first uh, <laughs> guest on the podcast, is also going to hate me because I've still promised her that I'm going to watch it and <laughs> still haven't. It's so good. <laughs> uh, it's it's because my first on-screen adaptation experience of Pride and Prejudice was the BBC six-part miniseries that they did. And I think... It is amazing. It is a really good, really good miniseries. <laughs> Yes. And I, yeah, I think I would. Sh- I'm gonna use Kira Knightley as my excuse. I think I struggle to see her as Lizzie Bennet, but that's that's, that's, that's yeah. only because I have such a fixed idea of who Kira Knightley is in my mind. It's nothing to do with her acting. I think she's a very good actress. I do like her in the stuff she's in. I just think because I I honestly I can't come up with a good I I have exhausted all of my excuses, especially in this department. But Pride and Prejudice <laughs> is it's it's a favorite of the podcast. It has been chosen many 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 times um i think it, it may be the only austin that's been chosen there are a lot of that obviously had honorable mentions um mm, yes i will have them also <laughs> and as much as i um i mean i read persuasion and sense of sensibility recently i want to say in the last sort of year or two mm-hmm. um as much as i really enjoyed them i just i do think that it it, it is her greatest work and i think it's not it's not like it's not a hot take. It's not an. I think it's just a statement of fact. I mean, to this day, the only joke that I still find funny from the Big Bang Theory, because I don't find really any of them funny. Yeah. Um, now that I'm not twelve, um, <laughs> the only joke I still find funny from that show is. Um, Sheldon reads Pride and Prejudice because he wants to criticise it to upset Amy because there's no red flags or issues with that. Um, and yeah, <laughs> God, that show is terrible. <laughs> um, but uh, when he's sort of, he doesn't, he, he goes off that avenue and he just says, oh no, it can't be criticised. It's a timeless classic. <laughs> he's it's got too much really pride. Well. She's got too much prejudice. It just works. <laughs> it works. It's just the perfect book. And I'm sorry, a, truly, right. a, a truer statement has never been spoken. Um, <laughs> yes. That is so funny. Um, I didn't remember that. It's, it's literally, it's the only joke I still remember, and it's because it's the only one I still find funny because it's just a statement of fact. Um, <laughs> uh, but, yeah, it's just, it's just a really great pick, and I feel like, I mean, whenever anyone asked me what my all-time favorite book is this definitely used to be it's definitely probably very much high up there i think it kind of got overtaken by the count of monte cristo because i really got swept up in that for other reasons but Mm -hmm. i still i still adore pride and prejudice and i have like say i've started rereading it purely because i just wanted to and i mean i remember it being a lot more subtle like in my memory like mr darcy was more subtle it was it wasn't as like it wasn't explicit in the text that he was falling in love with, and it absolutely is explicit. It's it's, it's stated in it's stated <laughs> in words. And I remember, it's like, how did I forget all of these amazing phrases? Aside from the obvious and the most sort of popularly quoted ones, I was just like, how have the rest of these quotes been lost? I know. Yeah, the, there's just so many quotable moments in the book, and I also love the. Uh, I guess you could call them foils, like Elizabeth and Jane. I love them. And I love Darcy and um, Mr. Bingley together. Yeah. It's just 
their juxtapositions. I just love the genius that Austin did with those characters. It was just oh, yeah. impeccable. So good. It's yeah, and similar with like Mr. and Mrs. Bennett, the way that they sort of compare <laughs> to each other is just it's just it is amazing. I think my my because I had to do an essay for my coursework on Pride and Prejudice when I was uh, fifteen, so, <laughs> and I think my topic was comparing um, Bingley and Darcy and how they I felt they were sort of metaphors for. Um, sort of old money, new money, how class was sort of going through a transformation during the time. And Ooh, um, that's really interesting. That's and the introduction cool. of evangelical Christian uh, Christianity that was coming in during sort of the Regency era. But like, I remember, I, I knew I wanted to write about Darcy. I didn't really care about what subject I ended up with. <laughs> I was just like, I just, he, he is probably my original <laughs> literary crush, probably. And... Yeah. Hard uh, <laughs> yeah, and I feel like it's really put me in a, a thingy place for the rest of the, my my reading time. I also think um, it wasn't until I, I talked about it recently on a, on a podcast episode with some people that I noticed some uh, similarities between Mr. Darcy and the man that I chose to marry. Um, <laughs> That's in, perfect. In temperament um, that I <laughs> was like, Hmm, that might have been more formative than I imagined. Mm, perhaps. <laughs> yes. That's really funny. I'm not sure how he would take that comparison, but you know, it's just, it's out of his hands. Ooh, it's um, a compliment. <laughs> That's a compliment. Yeah. <laughs> I definitely think so. I think so. Um, okay, so that's our middle pick. Uh we're on the last two. What yeah. is the fourth book you'll be taking with you? So the fourth book is another space opera. Um, this is what I would say is my favorite book of all time. It is A Memory Called Empire by Arcady Martine. Uh, this came out within the last couple years and it won the Hugo Award in 2020. Um, just an absolute genius of a book like just a masterpiece this is actually a duology um but we're not allowed to choose whole series so i just picked the first one <laughs> um this is a ama an amazing amazing space opera sci-fi um it follows a an ambassador named ambassador mahit who travels to the capital of this interstellar empire sending a theme um mm -hmm. the empire is called takes kalan and what's interesting is that the author is actually a historian as well as an author. And she based her space empire, takes Kalan, on the Byzantine Empire in real history. Ooh. So that's really fascinating. Yeah, very fascinating. It really is. Yes. Um, so this ambassador arrives to like take up her new post because um, she's from a little space station in the middle of nowhere. Uh, and she discovers that her predecessor, who was supposed to kind of help her, um, has died. And, like, there's this whole murder mystery as well throughout the book. So it's like a murder mystery sci-fi. It's amazing. It's also sapphic, <laughs> which is a lot of what I read. Um, it has a little sapphic romance in there between the ambassador and her kind of handler slash guide on the capital planet of this empire. 
So it's very, very good. Very interesting book. I mean, there's so much going on there. You've got a workplace romance. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> workplace <laughs> workplace romance going on with um a murder mystery also what sounds to me like immediately my head was like oh the predecessors passed away oh that's such a nightmare for a handover pa- mm-hmm. <laughs> handover process when you're coming into a new job yeah. <laughs> um it's just like it's like someone just went away and they just didn't leave you any notes <laughs> yeah that's a nightmare <laughs> yeah. um but yes, no duologies. But I suppose since you've read them, you you know what happens, so you can you can finish the story in your mind. Yes. Um, but I find uh, I like when authors, and I mean, don't authors obviously who are just whole authors, completely only authors, and that sort of thing. Obviously, and there's a lot of research that goes in there. But I always find it really fascinating when authors have, I suppose, like a, an established trade for want of a better phrase um before they write their you know works of fiction um and also when they write um in areas that they're an expert in in other ways because i just think it it kind of adds such an interesting dimension like when doctors write about fiction that includes doctors i suppose for yeah 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 or analogy (laughs) um but historians yeah that's it sounds so fascinating just I think sci-fi and fantasy is at its absolute best when it's sort of grounded in real life historical events. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. And it can you can really feel her expertise with that area of history through the book because it's so obvious that she just knows how big and powerful colonialist empires work and like on a day-to-day small basis, how it works within individual lives, but also how the politics play out throughout the whole interstellar empire that she's built. The world building is so good. Um, she doesn't just focus on the politics, though. She also focuses on like religion and art throughout this culture that she's just built. Um, so there's a really, it's an important part of the book. The religion is that they kind of worship the sun, and then there is a lot of poetry in the book that she created. So I guess she also counts as a poet too um, for this culture. And it's it's so well done. So fascinating. I would read a phone book or like her <laughs> grocery list that this author writes. She's just a genius. I was going to say, based on everything you've said, that book looks like it should be far longer. It should be like Right. Prior, it sounds like it should be prior yeah. of the orange tree sort I of wish, I, wish it was. I would read anything and everything she writes about this it's so good it's always the way isn't it though with those series that you want so much more that you're they're always like a, a standalone or a duology and you're like but i could have had eight books about this and it would have been fine exactly give me more but yeah i think i always find it's the fantasy that's based on historical like real historical events or at least loosely starts there, that people always find the hardest to believe. I mean, I remember having quite a heated debate with some uh, friends and family about uh, Game of Thrones because basically because they inserted dragons, it was entirely an unrealistic premise that no one would ever do the things that the people in Game of Thrones do. And I was just like, you realise most of it is based on medieval history. Yes, no real... (laughs) It's based on at least rumours and conjecture of stuff that actually happened. (laughs) Um, And uh, I just, or at least, yeah, definitely 
definitely rumours, if not, you know, actual facts. So I was just like, hmm. <laughs> you want it to be not real, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah I've never, I've never read Game of Thrones or watched it. So. <laughs> it is a task. It is also not a complete series. So I read the first. I know, I've heard that. Yeah. Like- I've read the first four. I need to read the fifth one. I was advised, I was right, I was going through them really quickly. And then I got to the point where I was about to start the fifth one when the person who told me to read them was said, no, stop, careful. You're about to get to like, <laughs> don't, don't finish this one because the ending is such a way that you just, you're sort of stumbling around in the wreckage and you're like, I need to know what happens next, but there's no book that's come out and there's still no book that's come out. And that was five Mm. years ago. Um, So so yeah, I probably wouldn't really recommend it until he, um, well, if, if he ever releases the rest of the books, because I, I'm not convinced he's going to. Yeah. And he's, he's getting old. He's got to write. It's a real, real concern. I feel like in the event of any future catastrophes or pandemics, I just feel like, uh, (laughs) I think I actually saw a post about that during COVID times. Dark humor really went to death a different way, but it's someone in, <laughs> it's someone I know sort of thing. Just like we must protect George R. R. Martin at all costs. He cannot until he finishes the series. <laughs> he cannot come to harm until we know what happened. <laughs> oh God, yeah. <laughs> um, but yes, onto a memory called Empire. That yeah, Empire sort of. Imperialism, just generally, is is a really fascinating topic, especially for me as a British person. Who, mm-hmm. well, yeah, me too, as an American. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, it's um, it's it's such an interesting topic that I've I've I sort of have touched on in areas, but not really explored as much as I would like to. I mean, I would recommend for anyone who wanted like a, a brief overview of sort of the Byzantine Empire, just as sort of from just interesting there's a podcast that i follow called um you're dead to me which is a comedy history podcast and they do a different topic it's about 45 minutes to an hour and they have done one on the byzantine empire i'm pretty sure um and they've done one on all sorts of topics including uh the history of general elections and chocolate and football and um, and and some sort of specific um historical figures that don't get much um limelight i suppose especially in like sort of the uk history syllabus which is incredibly limited (laughs) um and by limited i mean censored and biased yeah same (laughs) um yeah i uh i i sort of said on a previous episode it's just uh, yeah we learn about the battle of hastings in 1066 and then nothing happened in britain for 900 years until we won world war (laughs) one yeah yeah american history is Quite similar, yeah. <laughs> like going back to the uh, the poetry book, Sky, Wind, and Stars. Like, yeah, the Japanese occupation of Korea is maybe a sentence mm. in our history books, but that really like jump started everything. Like, it was a big part of World War II, and it it was the whole reason for the Korean War that mm. America was like a huge part of. So and it it that which still informs our history now with North yeah. Korea and everything. So I feel like you know when you pick and choose history, you kind of lose you know the big picture here. Yeah, there's a lot of context that all mm-hmm. it, everything you know interplays, and as much as 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 far removed as two countries can be from each other, um, 
it's still one planet and it all it all ripples out eventually yeah, yeah, somehow exactly. everything's um, connected yeah so a, me- a memory called empire sounds like another amazing sci-fi that Please. just yes. <laughs> you must read it <laughs> it's so good oh, it's just it sounds it sounds excellent and it's sort of making me itch for more sort of historical sci-fi picks and that sort of thing but that's maybe a conversation that we can have at a later time because I feel like you will be the person that I come to for all of those recommendations from now on (laughs) so we have got two sci-fi poetry Mm -hmm. and a piece of classic literature Mm -hmm. do you think this is um I mean is that quite representative of the genres you read usually or um the two sci-fi definitely because I read a lot of sci-fi. Again, that's mostly, like, that's definitely my favorite genre. Um, I don't really read a lot of poetry. (laughs) The poetry is an outlier. (laughs) Um, I have been trying to read more classics lately. Um, Like, I just read Dracula for Spooky Season. I've been wanting to get into the Brontes. So I like classics, but I don't think I read enough of it. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, I I have an aspiration to read classics. Like I mm-hmm. feel like I w- and I do I do tend to read, I suppose it's it's a significant portion, but there's still a lot of like staple classics that I have not even touched. Like I've started reading Anna Karenina recently. Okay. Which is an interesting experience because it feels very much like Russian Austin and I'm sure I've offended many, many people um <laughs> by saying Austin, actually that's a good pitch. <laughs> um because it's very much concerned with society norms and the way si- society and different classes interact with each other. But specifically through the lens of Russian society, which is incredibly different, mm-hmm. unsurprisingly, mm-hmm. from the way British society works. It's, it's sort of um not a similarish period but um in the past mm-hmm. and it also concerns itself with i mean politics in a way that um austin never went near um and yeah it's very interesting very long but i am i'm very much enjoying it i'm <laughs> i don't like the namesake character at all <laughs> yeah no, I've, I've never read any <laughs> classics mostly because they are very long <laughs> so lengthy <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, classics definitely. I've um, I've recently fallen in love with Woodhouse, uh, PG Woodhouse, uh, and his Jeeves books because they are very short and they are hilarious. They are just unceasingly in- hilarious. I've not read them all, and I've read I've heard about one that I'm definitely not going to read because whilst he tends to stay away from problematic subjects or at least doesn't touch on them too thoroughly in most of his books, there's one in particular that um, has um, an instance of blackface in it that I oh yikes. It's just, I suppose, so many of his books are so subversive and um, they seem to at least imply that he had maybe better or more enlightened views than many of his peers might at the time. Mm. But from what I've read about that particular one, I think I'm going to avoid it because I don't think there's any way it could be included that could be. Yeah, I feel like that's <laughs> could be uh, redeemed. something you don't yeah you don't come back from (laughs) yeah exactly so it's but yeah it's interesting different different classics and sort of different schools of thought in classics and that sort of thing so yeah it's um it's it's an interesting genre to get into definitely um I did not have a good first experience with the Brontes maybe you will fare better (laughs) 
Yeah, yeah. Now my sister loves them. She loves Jane Eyre, so I'm probably going to start with that one first. But... I feel like I should have started with Jane Eyre. I didn't. I started with Wuthering Heights, and I don't okay. think I should have. <laughs> yeah, she says that one is uh, not her favorite, but <laughs> we'll see. I, I, I planned to read them this year, actually, but I did not succeed, so maybe next year. <laughs> Best laid plans. Yeah, exactly. All, all that one, as as that poem goes. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, so sci-fi, definitely more, but you've got some some slight outliers in there, which is good because it means you're going to have a good diversity of books to read when you yeah, yeah. get to Alaska. So okay. fifth and final book. Okay, my fifth and final book um, is Life of Pi by Jan Martel. I'm not sure if like this book is out of vogue now. Um, it was super popular when it came out um, and there was a movie made of it. I loved the movie. I saw the movie first before I read the book. <laughs> um, and they also won the Booker Prize <laughs> back when it was called the Man Booker Prize. Um, <laughs> so it's a little bit, yeah, uh, it's a little older now, um, but I also think it's a great book to read when you're kind of cast away somewhere because um, it is about the sinking of a cargo ship going from India to somewhere. I forget where it's supposed to be going, but it sinks, so it doesn't get there. Exactly. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, so after it sinks, only one lifeboat remains in the Pacific Ocean. The only survivors from the wreck are a 16-year-old boy named Pai and a 450-pound Bengal tiger. So he's stuck on this lifeboat with this tiger. And I remember when I saw the movie, I went to see it a whole bunch of times because it just was so suspenseful. This boy with this tiger, like trying to figure out, is it going to eat me? How do I make peace with this tiger so we can coexist on this tiny little lifeboat in the middle of nowhere in the Pacific Ocean? And is he going to get rescued? And it's just a fascinating book, very suspenseful. Um, there's also a lot of talk about religion in here, um, which if you've seen the movie, it was just touched on, but in the book, there's a lot more of it. So I think that's, you know, if I'm in a little bit more of a pensive mood that I want to think about some harder topics while I'm stranded in Alaska, um, this has a lot of interesting things to say about religion. So I thought it would be a good pick. One of my favorite books, definitely. I, I think I... It's definitely been mentioned on the podcast before that it was a pick oh. or an honorable mention. I'm not sure. Yes. I definitely know what you mean about it maybe being one that I think it's kind of in the same area as, um, I suppose, Field of Dreams and um, Fight Club. Uh, they okay. <laughs> So in terms of I think they are books that were obviously iconic and very good books, but maybe um, the popularity and success of the film eclipsed them to the point where a lot of people don't actually realize their books mm -hmm. yeah yeah i think you're right yeah not to compare those three books together because they no, are they're, not... <laughs> they're incredibly yeah. different books yeah, but yeah. um they obviously had such distinctive and sort of iconic moments in cinema that they um the kind of over were overshadowed by like, the sort of victims of their own success um but 
I still think those are really interesting books to read and pick up because you people feel so familiar with the concept and the references and the and the image, I suppose, because even when people say Life of Pi, I've got the the most distinct image of of the cover um, of the book because I know it's a book, but also the film with the tiger and the boy and they're on a boat, and it's just so it's such a jarring image and it sticks yeah. with you so sort of completely um, that um, you kind of even though you know what's going to, because you know what's going to happen even probably, um, less so than in spite of it, you maybe get more out of the book than you would otherwise because Mm -hmm. you're not looking for plot, you're looking for the rest. Yeah, that's a great point. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, because, I mean, the plot is kind of a, you know, straightforward survival story. Um, You know, we've seen it in the movie Castaway, we've seen it with Hatchet, we've seen it with a lot of other stories where kind of teenage boys get stuck somewhere and they have to survive. Um, So that's, you know, you can look past the plot and really get into the themes, uh, especially, like I said, about religion. And there are just some beautiful points of this book that are, yeah, yeah, definitely should not be overlooked. (laughs) You mentioned that I think when you were sort of describing the sort of setup of, you know, young boy gets cast away, in some area, um, I was um, immediately started thinking of uh, Kenzuki's Kingdom by Michael Mulpergo, which is a book that I read when I was quite young, which is similar concepts. Young boy, um, him and his family go on a boat. They move they move onto a boat um, because her da- his dad loses his job and they don't have any money. So he chucks all of their life savings into a boat. They go up to sea. They get caught in a storm and their son gets taken overboard. Oh. And he washes up on an island where he meets a uh, Japanese man called Kensuke, who has been um, cast away there himself since, I think, like World War Two. Oh my god, that's terrifying. <laughs> uh, that but super interesting. He's like mastered the island. Like he is friends with all the animals there. He knows how to survive there. He's kind of it's his kingdom, basically. Hence the title. Oh. And uh, he sort of helps the young boy and that sort of thing. And um, he helps him get rescued, but he doesn't want to be rescued. Um, it's it's a really fascinating story, and it's it, it is I think it's aimed a younger audience but mm. it's still so interesting and i think i should probably go back and reread it i do have a very nice copy actually um that's much nicer than the copy i was forced to read at school and <laughs> and uh, but yeah very very interesting sort of concept and like you say it's uh it's again not it's classic there's a reason these things are used more than uh, mm-hmm. more than once it's because exactly. they are. Yeah. yeah and yeah commentary on religion is always really interesting as well as someone who is not religious personally Mm -hmm. um i find religion fascinating as a a topic because i have absolutely no grounds of i suppose first-hand understanding or relating to it yeah yeah no i totally get that yeah i'm not religious um but i was raised catholic Mm. um so I do find it, I find religion super interesting. Um, and yeah, this book just has, I mean, I, I haven't read it in many years, so I don't remember exactly. But the biggest point is that Pi, um, he kind of picks and chooses from the big three, um, Christianity, Judaism, and Islam. And I believe, oh, actually, I believe Hinduism as well. 
Um, I don't remember exactly, but he kind of picks and chooses and he doesn't consider himself as part of one religion. Mm -hmm. And like as a kid growing up Catholic, um, I was just like, wow, like what? Like you're allowed to do like, Mm -hmm. what is this? Like, how does that even work? So it kind of opened my eyes to like different ways of thinking and different ways of living too. Um, So it's just, yeah, really fascinating I think being raised with religion definitely gives a, a a perspective on it as well. I am just, just I'm a very godless person. I my family, <laughs> my, <laughs> my family are not religious. I was <laughs> my family not really. I think maybe it might have given. I I do wonder sometimes if I had been raised um with a religion of any description, um if it might have had some bearing on my character or who I was but we will never know mm. because it's one of those questions <laughs> we will never know um, <laughs> um but yeah sorry I'm just yeah babbling about my own personal problems uh, so those are the five books it's really interesting mix of themes and, tr- and you're gonna have so many interesting thoughts and things to t- <laughs> just things to ponder on while you're in your cabin in Alaska it's gonna be yes. amazing yes, um will. Keep myself busy. <laughs> you just, all of the philosophy that you can draw out of these fa- just just really interesting books. It's just going to be so cool. Um, so for the benefit of the listener, would you mind just quickly recapping your five picks? Yes. So first I picked Ancillary Justice by Anne Leckie. Uh, and then I picked a poetry collection called Sky, Wind and Stars by the Korean poet Yoon Dong-ju. And then I picked the classic Pride and Prejudice by Jane Austen. And then I picked A Memory Called Empire by Arkady Martin. And then lastly, I picked Life of Pi by Jan Martel. Really great list. Just Thank you. <laughs> it's just, yeah, now I'm going to have to... I'm not allowed to buy any books anymore because as... Annie will see. Um, <laughs> you do have a lot of books behind you. I have too many already, and I have not read as many of these as I would like to say that I have. So <laughs> I have the same problem. <laughs> so my my theme my aim is to really get down uh, that uh, physical TBL because my my true dream in life is to be the kind of person who finishes a book and then goes to buy their next one. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's the dream, but I don't know if that's attainable. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I. It's not realistic. It's not what we'd call a smart goal. Um, <laughs> but yes, so I can't go out and rush to buy these books immediately. But listeners may be able to. Were there any honourable mentions that you nearly included in this five but couldn't quite? So um, I love Tolkien because I am a linguist, um, and he was also a linguist. I love his constructed languages that he built for his elves and all of his societies that he made. So my one of my honorable mentions was the Silmarillion, um, because that is, first of all, a big chunk of a book. <laughs> so, there are so many stories in that book that will keep you busy forever, um, but there's just it's so good. It's just so good. So fascinating. Just the entire history of Middle Earth that Tolkien just created from his brain. It's just genius. Just absolute masterpiece. So yeah, I that was on the list, but 
it was overtaken <laughs> by the five books that I already said. Yes, The Silmarillion has been picked by a previous guest of the podcast. I do actually own two separate copies of that. Ooh, <laughs> that very book. nice, very nice. <laughs> I, I am finally embarking on my Tolkien journey. My best friend and I are buddy reading The Fellowship of the Ring at the Ooh, moment. Yes. Is this your first time reading it? It is my first time reading oh it. Oh my god, that's exciting. We're nearly finished with the first one. Um and I am really enjoying it. I'm glad that I chose to do it as a buddy read because I'm definitely really hooked on the plot, but I can't read too quickly because I have to. We have to keep pace with each other and agree to our deadlines, which yeah, means yeah. I'm actually allowed to like. I really sort of bask in the chapters as I'm sort of <laughs> going through them. I'm sort of picking out quotes that I like, and I've I've read. Well, I've watched the films, but I don't remember anything from. <laughs> Because I was really young when I watched them, yeah, and yeah, my, my my best friend loves them, and she had a habit of picking right when I was about to fall asleep to put them on, and they're really long films. They you need to be wide awake. Yeah, they're very long. <laughs> yes, <laughs> they're an active attention kind of film. So, yeah. um, so yes, I, uh, I so they're actually very much like surprises to me, even though I know the basic gist of the plot. All of the sort of nuances are. are unknown to me so it's actually a really fun experience Ooh, um good. that's awesome yeah it's so, so good so and i've got a summer alien it's it's ready to be picked up as soon as i finished yes. with so the main three um were there any others you mentioned um other works of austin earlier yeah. <laughs> well you mentioned persuasion which is also one of my favorites of hers but the one that i was between with and Pride and Prejudice was Emma. I loved Emma. Um, I didn't expect to, but I don't know why. I just didn't expect to, but I loved it. I loved Emma's character. I just, it was, I think, one of her more accessible books as well. Like, it's just, yeah. again, it's like timeless. Like, anyone can enjoy it. And the love interest and Emma were so good. It, and it has such a quotable, you know, if I loved you less, I would have been able to talk about it more. And it's like, that's such a great quote. That's hey, so Jane cute. Austen, how did you come up with that? So <laughs> that's just a great book. But in the end, Pride and Prejudice did win out. But yeah, Emma is also a masterpiece. Yeah, Love Interest in Emma really blindsided me when I read it because I was not expecting it. <laughs> I mean, neither. Yes, I did not really know anything about it. I, I watched the movie, the recent movie, um, after I read yeah. the book. So yeah, I, I did not know what was going to happen. So there's a lot of drama. Lots of yes. Drama. Well, I recently reread. Well, I've recently finished the Rajay series, which is by a Sonali Dev, and they're all Austin retellings, uh, Ooh, but cool. Hollywood style Austin retellings, Ooh. based around this um, Indian uh, family, like Roy Indian royalty, even um, are the sort of core of the stories. But then each of um, the children get their own sort of Austin Ooh. romance. Ooh, and I have to look at that. I have to read those. <laughs> okay, so yeah, the first one is called Pride, Prejudice, and Other Flavors. Okay. Um, I think, right <laughs> yeah, and then, so it's Pride and Prejudice is the first retelling, and then Persuasion, then Sense and Sensibility, and then Emma. So Emma's the last one that I just, I just read that last installment. Um, and it's sort of got me back into the, 
the feeling of the characters and that sort of thing because I haven't I read Emma a really long time ago it's it, it is shorter than uh, some of the other mm-hmm. books I don't know if it's the shortest but it's shorter so it is a little bit more I remember feeling it was more accessible because I read it after I'd read Pride and Prejudice so yeah I, I do think it's much more accessible because like maybe it's because Pride and Prejudice was the first one a lot of people read mm-hmm. and I was also 15 when I first read it and I remember just kind of being a little bit lost between all the balls that they constantly go to and like all these names for people, Mr. Who and Who, Mrs. So-and-so. And And it was a little bit confusing like at that age. But yeah, now that I read Emma, it was it was more accessible. Yeah, I remember just being like, why can't you all just use each other's first name? (laughs) I was just like, I don't understand why his first name's okay for some people, but not okay for other people. It doesn't make (laughs) any sense. sense. It's like there's five Miss Bennets. How how can you possibly call them all Miss Bennett? Yeah, it's very confusing and unnecessary. <laughs> yes, but um, yeah, I definitely recommend. I recommend to you and all the listeners, Sonali Dev's um, book, specifically Hero J series, is uh, really really good. So yeah, so um, persuasion was persuasion was a fun one as um, well that I uh, enjoyed when I read it. Um, because I don't, I can't really put my finger on why, because I didn't actually, wasn't as big on the love interest as I was in previous ones. Like, he's definitely no, no, okay. no Darcy or Knightley. Well, yeah. Um, <laughs> but, but I think it's because they, I, I, I think I would have liked to have seen, I know the whole point of like second chance romance, not that Austin knew that's what she was writing at the time. <laughs> but the whole idea is that you don't see the first part on in the book, but I wanted to see the first part in the, in the book. Oh, yeah. No, I, yeah, me too. I also did. <laughs> yeah, no, I love Persuasion because I, that letter that he writes yeah. at the end was just, oh my God, <laughs> it's so good. I, and I remember I read the um, because there's two endings, isn't there? And I remember reading because the 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 ending, the the one with the you know half agony, half the the, the letter that we all mm-hmm. uh, that is just amazing. Um, almost wasn't in the book. It almost wasn't it's just insane to me. <laughs> it, she she rewrote the ending because she didn't feel as if it had. She didn't feel as yeah. She didn't feel as if he'd declared himself properly enough. <laughs> Um, I with, agree. Yeah, with the, to do that. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, and I was just like, yeah, absolutely. It's it's such a good letter. I am about. I think in my reread of Pride and Prejudice, I'm about to get into Darcy's first letter. <gasps> okay. Um, because mm-hmm. we've, we've just got past the first proposal, which is so much. Oh better. It's God. so good. Even it's so much oh, better yeah. on rereading. It's so good. <laughs> oh, I love it. Yeah, I love it so, so much. <laughs> So yeah, good. It, just Jane Austen. I I feel like I need to read her. They've got the book that collects her letters. I feel like I need to read her collected letters because she seems like she just writes a really good letter. Yeah, she would have yeah, been a good correspondent. <laughs> well, they had a lot of practice back then, I guess. So. Yeah, I am. Um, I feel like I need to. Um, <laughs> I need to write letters. I should write letters, and <laughs> everyone should write letters. <laughs> Get back to our roots. Some snail mail. Yeah, yeah definitely. <laughs> okay, so. Were there any other honorable mentions you wanted to mention? Um, I I don't know. I mean, I know I say that I don't read a lot of classics, but I love Frankenstein too. <laughs> but it's the original sci-fi, so know, it makes yeah. sense for it you. Makes, it makes sense for me. It makes sense. I just think it's so good. 
Um, and because I also read a lot of queer literature, there's a lot of like queer undertones in that book too. It's just, that's also a masterpiece. I mean, there's a reason why it's a classic, why it's did the test of time. So yeah, I love Frankenstein as well. <laughs> so that's an honorable mention. Excellent. Well, got some really solid and very classical honorable mentions um, alongside. Yeah, just a really great list that I, um, yeah, I'm, I'm going to have to check some of those out, definitely. And I think Yay, listeners, listeners should definitely also go and check them out. And they should also check you, Annie, out. Where can they find you um, if they want more book recommendations? Yes. So, again, I run my booktube channel, Annie's Book Nook. Um, and I am also on Instagram, although not very often. Um, my Instagram handle is a little strange. It's Cendrion He, like Cendrion is in the French Cinderella. <laughs> and then He, H-E-E. -E. Um, so those are where you can find me. Um, I'm Oh, I'm also on TikTok. I recently started a book talk, which is exciting. Um, it's Annie's Book Nook with the number eight at the end. So that's where you can find me if you'd like to see what I'm reading. Excellent. And I recommend listeners go and check Annie's content in all those various places. Um, I cannot check out TikTok because um, I am <laughs> avoiding TikTok as a form of Gen Z protest. Um, that's very <laughs> fair. That's very fair. Yeah, I spend way too much time on TikTok. <laughs> yeah, I... Yeah, that's it's the same reason I don't watch certain reality shows. It's not because I think I'm too good for them. It's because I think that I'm uh, almost not strong enough to, to withhold <laughs> the pull. Like, I know I don't have the willpower to not yeah. let them take yeah. over my life. Um, it's, <laughs> that's very fair. So it's out of self-preservation, really. It's because I think they're too good for me, really, I think is, is the issue. Um, <laughs> I just, yeah, I, I always get that same look when I'm just like oh no I don't watch slash have that and it's like it's not not for the reason you think <laughs> yeah it's designed to be addictive and it it is it is very addictive so yes well go check any out in all those places you can check the podcast out on um Spotify uh Apple Podcasts all the places podcasts are found also YouTube um if you prefer YouTube and don't have a preferred podcast app and we are at books to last pod on Instagram and Twitter uh yeah so listeners thank you so much for listening annie thank you so much for that discussion it was so yeah. much fun thank you so much for having me on the podcast this was a ton of fun this was really really good it was thank you it definitely was thank you so much and yeah until next time folks bye for now <laughs>